Welcome back to The Balancing Act. We're here with Dr. Andrew Tempty, President and Global Head of Corporate Learning at Kaplan North America. And of course, the author of Balancing Act, available to you uh, over on pretty much any site you want to go to to get your books or maybe a local mom and pop shop as you look for what you want to read about. We have covered a number of topics already as we are here on episode five. You want to go back and listen to the first four. It's going to continue informing the conversation. But Andy, if you could, um, maybe some key takeaways as we've talked about resilience, we've talked about ego to set up today's conversation, which I can preview very shortly here about ego and self-awareness, the steps towards emotional, uh, intelligent, emotional quotient. What would you give as sort of the, the pre-work for this discussion today? Yeah, so we're, we're marching down a road fairly steadily here. And, you know, ultimately we're going to arrive at a conversation around empathy. Uh, but uh, empathy is, is a concept that a lot of people are talking about, but it has building blocks that, uh, that are necessary to understand before you just all of a sudden become miraculously uh, empathetic. Right. There's, you know, this concept of the emotional quotient uh, as opposed to the IQ, uh, your EQ, which is some esoteric uh, measurement device about uh, how kind of emotionally intelligent you are. So when we talk about emotional intelligence, I might I, I might refer to your EQ as uh, you know as kind of a trade uh, for for that uh, for that same for that same language. You know, Dan, we also talked about the the ego uh, quite a bit in in previous uh, sessions. And uh, over the next couple of episodes uh, leading up to the episode on empathy, uh, we're, we're going to start talking squarely about the concept of narcissism. I think it's now time for us to uh, bring out what to, to many people is, uh, is kind of a dirty word uh, and, and explore really what that means uh, and make it a little less of a dirty word. Let's. And uh, for, background sake, I think one of the things we've done and you've done very well is sort of break down these connotations that are typically around words and and let them have new life to an extent in these conversations about ego and about, we'll talk about narcissism and self-awareness and empathy. Um, and I do love that you point out that there are prerequisites to being empathetic. There, there are building blocks. There are things to learn about life, to learn about people, learn about yourself and self-awareness plays largely into that. How does ego and self-awareness play? Or, or let's, let me take a step back. What is self-awareness to you? When, when you talk about this in your book or as you coach other managers, what does it mean to in fact be self-aware? Yeah, so uh, sometimes we talk about situational awareness, which is, uh, which is very a similar construct that here is my situation, my environment, if you will, and I'm aware of what's going on around me. The Now take that mind frame or that lens and let's point it inside. And self-awareness is this concept that I'm, I'm aware of my emotions and I'm, I'm also aware of how my emotions are affecting uh, the environment uh, around me, but uh, but at its most core level, uh, I, I I understand my my emotional set, how I react to certain triggers, 
Uh, and we're also going to uh, let's you know open up the can of worms while we're really doing it and talk about the T word, which is therapy. Uh, you know, a lot of people uh, don't want to talk about therapy, but uh, you know, my, my book is uh, uh, very transparent, very naked uh, conversation around uh, my life. And uh, I've gotten a lot out of therapy and my own version of self-awareness was really born from those very, very difficult uh, guided conversations. So I, I don't want anybody to think that you just kind of miraculously can become self-aware on your own without help from, uh, from, from, from outside sources. Yeah, and I, I think uh, personally thinking about therapy, again, in a context neutral environment as just something that exists in the world uh, would benefit a lot of people rather than, again, what might be considered negative connotation around you need therapy or you should seek therapy, um, I think is very important. I also love the idea, again, of another word that sometimes can have negative connotation in emotions or being emotional, uh, often at work you don't want to be seen as being emotional. You don't want to be seen as bearing your emotions in front of people. But what you're putting in front of us right now, Andy, is the idea that we need to be aware of how our emotions are affecting us, both from a management perspective and from just a day-to-day -day work perspective. So how would you describe the self-awareness and getting to a point where, okay, I can check some boxes and say, I get why this makes me feel this way, or this manager maybe rubs me the wrong way for personal reasons, not because of them, but because of who I am. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, learning, I, uh, there, there are a number of uh, psychomet uh, psychometric evaluations that one can, uh, can do uh, all the way from the Myers-Briggs right. to the DISC uh, and others. And there are a lot of uh, philosophical arguments about the value of those tools. And my, the recommendation I make uh, in, in the book is, you know, let's set aside those philosophical arguments around whether one tool is better than another, one is validated uh, more than another, uh, but instead uh, treat those tools for what they are, which is, the results of those tools being a data point of many that we can use to begin to construct our viewpoint, our internal viewpoint of how we uh, respond to certain situations and how our how how we react to and uh, in, interact with our our external uh, our external environment. You know, Dan, you said it so well that in the world of business, we're supposed to kind of check our emotion at the door. And to a certain extent, uh, you know, it's a balancing act that's, uh, that's true. You don't want to be walking around the office weeping uncontrollably. But this concept of bringing our whole selves into the world of work uh, re requires that we understand our own emotional toolkit uh, and these kinds of psychometric evaluations that I've uh, that I've mentioned again is one step of many such uh, uh, tools that are out there to to under, understand uh, our our emotional toolkit. And as you discuss this from a 
manager perspective, right? We're trying to talk to the idea of people managers, middle managers, which in and of itself has a negative connotation at times as part of corporate America, but middle management, people who are on their way up the chain, people who have found they manage people well. How does this all play together to growing in that specific way, to, to becoming a better blank, a better manager, a better employee? What steps here can be those building blocks, those prerequisites to getting to a better self-awareness and thus using that strong ego, understanding everything that goes together? What are, what are we working towards? Well, the thing that I would, uh, that I, that I would point out that we also talk about in, in the book is uh, the need for more coaching to be happening uh, in, a, in a corporate setting. Now that could uh, that that can be a broad range of uh, of things that you can do. Uh, thing thing you know actual physical things that your company can do and things that you can do. The first thing is to open your mind to being coached and and mentored. That's kind of step number step number one. And uh, and you know the company can they can buy external coaches and attach. Uh, individuals, uh, individual contributors, and managers uh, to to coaches uh, to you know to have uh, some of these deeper uh, and uh, these deeper conversations. Uh, another thing that a company can do is invest in its management teams by helping them understand what coaching is and what coaching is not, so that they can then be armed with the tools that are necessary to have more constructive conversations with, uh, with, with, with their business partners uh, from, from, around, from around the company. It's the idea that you're not a fully baked manager, right? You're, you're, you're not fully prepared yet. And you, you need to, and again, there is life lessons here. There are conversations to have around, you said the T word, therapy, it's all bettering oneself. And I think uh, often we have been trained, whether personally, corporate, religiously, whatever it might be, that admitting you have faults can be seen as a fault in and of itself. Uh, but what you're discussing here is the idea of being self-aware of those faults, being able to draw strength almost from those faults is almost more important than anything else right now. So am I understanding that correctly from your point of view? And as we think of this, of strong ego, self-awareness, connecting all these dots with resilience and the things we're going to talk around EQ and the like, is this the path to you that you'd set forth for any employee to be just a better contributor to a corporation, small business, whatever it might be that they're working for. Yeah, I'll just bring us back right to the first episode, which was around understanding what what ego is. This alternative definition of ego versus the definition that uh, treads on narcissism. Uh, that that you know that we said that we were going to start to talk about. And having that strong ego and that mediator between our base instincts and our base response, emotional responses uh, to triggers and this ideal uh, self, th this concept of self-reflection, positive self-talk. Um, I'll tell you a story. I was on with a reporter who was uh, covering uh, who was covering the book uh, yesterday, and. 
God, God bless him. He, he was a real, and please, nobody take offense to this. He was a real New Yorker, right? And <laughs> that kind of, that kind of brash, uh, you know, we don't need any emotion. I know them well. Yes. Uh, yes. You know, emotions don't belong anywhere here. And he was really interested in, uh, in, in, uh, in, in what I had to say, but I could tell that it was making him uncomfortable uh, this, because he clearly had had, at least from my vantage point, a lifetime of being told that uh, self-reflection and reflecting on how you're responding to, to a situation, uh, you know, having, carving out quiet time for yourself to have conversations with yourself you know, we used, we used to say that that was, uh, that was a crazy thing to do. You know, I know that crazy is not a, uh, a, a great word uh, to be using here, but those were the words that we used, right. you know, 25, 30 years ago. Uh, but, but those are perfectly normal things to do. And we have to make that uh, acceptable uh, uh, in our conversations, in our communities and in our families that talking to yourself and self-reflecting and unpacking the things that have happened to you and understanding why you reacted in a particular way is the path to uh, one of the necessary ingredients to our future success. It again applies to so many walks of life, education, work, life, uh, family life, and different ways to understand how what we do influence other people, how what other people do influences us on a day-to-day -day basis, even things we may say we think roll off our back, sort of gnaw at the back of your neck for long enough and, and can influence the next interaction you have with your manager or next interaction you have with a coworker and you don't even recognize it. So taking this time to breathe and, and it sounds, again, to your point, whatever word we use about 25, 30 years ago, this would have been unacceptable practices in a large amount of corporate America to take time for oneself. But as, as we wrap this episode, we, we talk therapy, we talk self-reflection, we talk the idea of coaching and being open to coaching, being open to self-reflection. That's sort of the first step. You know, it, taking that first step to say, hey, I can improve in some way, shape or form. I'm wondering your viewpoint of the difference between a coach and a mentor in building these key con components in self-awareness, in the drive to better yourself, in ego versus self-awareness and building towards EQ. Do you see them as synonymous? Do you see them as in uh, some sort of fight with one another for the employee? Or can they work together to really build someone to become the best employee and hopefully the best manager they can be? Yeah, so I like to separate coaching and mentorship, and I use uh, I, I I like the frame of episodic versus ongoing. Uh, so all of the coaches that I've ever had are in the rearview mirror of 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 my life. Uh, I had a football coach, I had a wrestling coach, I had a career coach. I, you know, I've had coaches that have helped at points along the way. And you could put a therapist into, into that category. But those were point in time, looking at specific issues uh, that, that, that we learned from. A mentor, by contrast, is an on, an, a longer term, ongoing relationship that should absolutely be supporting uh, and recommending 
coaching where it is uh, where, where it is applicable and slash or or therapy, but the 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 mentor's role in in that is as this uh, you know helping to nudge and guide uh, because the mentor is seeing you along the continuum versus that uh, versus that point in time. Next time out, Andy, we're talking self-regulation, uh, which is a topic that I'm very interested to hear your thoughts on. We've touched on a number already. If you haven't listened to back episodes, I highly recommend you take this as a little bit of a curriculum. Take it as you need the building blocks of the earlier episodes. Make your way through. We are getting towards uh, some, uh, you know, the penultimate and the ultimate episodes here for this first season of episodes. We're going to be with you for a while as we discuss through a variety of things from uh, Andy's book, the work he's doing, obviously, uh, at Kaplan as the president and global head of corporate learning, uh, and so much more of what Kaplan has to offer, but also what this book has to offer you, uh, this podcast has to offer you, and what uh, we can really hope shape some of your ways of being a manager, the way of being an employee and the way you interact uh, with the business or the business you run yourself. There's so many ways to apply what we're doing here. For now, you can find this podcast across your podcasting apps. Make sure you're subscribing, sharing on social media. If you found us on YouTube, feel free to like, comment over there and subscribe. And as always, we'll be back with more right here on The Balancing Act. <laughs>